Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 173. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Stacy. That's at StacyPatton89. Stacy, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Good to hear. Uh, I hope all the blended beverages uh, in your future are doing okay. The blended beverages? Not the swirls? <laughs> you talking about the mango lussies over here? Yeah, I am talking about mango lussies. Uh, I hope you're having good mango lussies. Um, yeah, look, we're going to talk a lot about the Knicks. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of things. But before we get started, I do have to announce that the Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's multiple tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday with me and Prez. It also gets you access to the mailbag I do with Drew and Jeremy every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where you can witness Stacy randomly popping in to make your mom jokes. Um, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's great. There's also a nine dollars tier. Uh, I would highly recommend that you subscribe to that. Uh, that gets you access to weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best basketball, Knicks, whatever genre writers out there today uh, would 100% recommend subscribing subscribing for that alone. You also do get access to a solo pod I do called Strick and Roll. Uh, If you want to just listen to more ranting and raving about the Knicks, in addition to that, there's $15 tiers, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those get you access to things like live watch parties, additional merchandise discounts, uh, even potentially hosting a pod with us, yours truly. But whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's get into talking about why the Knicks fucking suck ass at everything they do. Um, I just want to shout out uh, at Half Court Hoops, who's a gigantic fucking loser, um, and tweeted out about how the the Sixers were hunting Obi Toppin. Also, shout out Nekias Duncan for pointing this out. Uh, two absolute Nikias, fucking... Nikias, sorry. I don't give a shit what it is. Nekias, Nekias, fucking Nek... Whatever. I don't give a fuck. Fuck him. Uh, and fuck people that were tweeting, oh, they're hunting Obi Toppin, they're hunting Obi Toppin. He had some good possessions. Yeah, he-, he was great. He was fine on defense. Oh, wow, they hunted Obi Toppin and they got... Harden hit a step back three. Oh, let me go piss my pants and fucking poop in my diaper. Like, shut the fuck up, you fucking losers. Um, Obi was fine today. He was fine. Okay, he did. I, did he play great? No, he didn't play great. Did he play horribly? No. You know who he played better than? Alec fucking Burks. He played better than Alec fucking Burks, who got thirty-four minutes today. Apparently, for the sole purpose of making me want to take a fucking sledgehammer to my spleen. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know what was going on today, but I, I just want to say this. Um, there are a lot of things to be annoyed about with this team, and there's a lot of shit that they need to improve upon. Um, that go beyond just coaching. Okay, by the way, like I, I know we have stressed about coaching so much in this pod, but you know, there's there's talent, whatever. There's all kinds of issues with this team. One thing that is not an issue with this team, and one thing that sh- that this organization should feel positive about going forward, that the fan base should feel positive about going forward, is R.J. Barrett. And I know he didn't have the most efficient scoring game today, but I want to point this out. Well, he would have if he made his fucking free throws, but yeah. Yes, that, that too. The process was good, yeah. The process was good, but what I really like about this stretch he's having is he was only 9-22 from the field today. He scored 24 points. He made no threes. That would have literally been impossible for him to do last year. There is no way he could have shot 9-22 of from the field and had 24 points without making a single three. And so, like, these are the micro-level signs you're seeing. And obviously, you got the 46-point game that he had on uh, Friday against Miami, which was incredible. But, like, you're starting to see this stuff. And so, for all the shit, we're, and we're going to talk about a lot of the terrible, annoying stuff that comes with the Knicks, um, R.J. Barrett is not one of them. He has been great. And I think if Tibbs had leaned into simply feeding him the ball earlier in the season, um, the wider perception of him would be very different also. Well, I mean, do you think letting R.J. Barrett run point would be worse than running Alec Burks a point? I mean, they were effectively running R.J. a point to start the game. I don't know if you noticed that, but they, they basically... Yeah, well, that's, that's part of the thing with quickly... And I feel like there's people who said this who's like, oh, when Quickly runs point, RJ is really the point. I was like, you're so close. <laughs> we don't really need a true point when you have RJ Barrett out there. What is you true- have the ball in his hands. You want someone who can kind of shift, take some of that load from him, but also play off ball. And that's what Quickly is. That's why like they're such a great pair together. And by the way, I think Cam Reddish was a great third option. Yeah, he looked I- pretty solid today. I liked, I liked, I liked I- what I he did. I like what he did. He took six shots. He took one fadeaway uh, midi that he, by the way, he made. And there were four seconds left on the shot clock. Like he didn't. He and he had a, a gorgeous dime to Ob off of like a catch pump fake. And it was like this wasn't just a read and react. This was like he had an open three. He passed it up. He drove, and then he bounced past the Ob. Like uh, I think the fact that he was in over. Like I don't want to hit on Alec Burks, but here's I, I tweeted this out today. Alec Burks is a gunner. Like, that's his role, right? And there is another player on the Knicks who this narrative people have tried to falsely apply to, but Alec Burks shot 47% on Is it Nerland's Noel? Yeah, it's Nerland's Noel. (laughs) Alec Burks shot 47% on pull-up threes last year. This year, Alec Burks is shooting 33%. Um, He's just, he's taking more of them. They're worse shots, and he's not making them. That, that's fine, um, but he's getting fewer attempts in, on catch and shoot. And today, he took six shots. He took six shots in 34 minutes. Like Everyone's talking about the zero assists, but it's like, well, no, we want Alec Burks to shoot, um, but we want him to shoot more than six times for 36 minutes. And that's why, like, um, that's why I think 
it's interesting because we can talk about it quickly in a minute, but a lot of people have said quickly is struggling because his role, you know, he's asked to be point guard more and he's not used to that. He's shooting the same percentage on pull-up jumpers that he did last year on the same volume. He's getting the same volume of catch and shoots. He's getting the same volume of wide open shots, which, um, you know, if you don't, if you're skeptical of NBA tracking data, President Day shout out, I get it. But there's so much data here that's just basically saying quickly is missing open shots. It has very little to do with the role he's in. It has very little to do how much of self-created. It has nothing to do with him being, quote-unquote, asked to be a point guard. Do I think that means he's the point guard of the future? No. He does need to figure out how to get to the rim. Do I think that that's a stupid excuse to not playing next to R.J. Barrett, who takes care of some of those flaws because he can attack the rim and because they complement each other so well? That's where I get annoyed. But with Burks, like all the arguments that people say you know, quickly would be good if he was just allowed to be a shooter, be a six-man bench guard or whatever. No, quickly's missing open shots. If he never makes open shots again, it's rare to say he sucks. But, you know, it's not because he's asked to be a point guard. With Burks, it actually, like, all of those arguments do apply to Burks because you can see it. Like, he's not shooting well on pull-ups. He's not taking as many shots, period. And he's a shooter. You'd like him to take shots. He's a good shooter. Uh, You know, his assist rate isn't the same. So it's, um, you know, that's, um, that's my thoughts on that. Um, what if I were to tell you that I have a 22? No, what if I were to tell you that Alec Burks was shooting 39.5% on pull-up threes for the first 19 games of the season? Is that something that you might be interested in? Uh, because that's, that's yeah, exactly I, what happened. Yeah, maybe interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's exactly what happened. He was shooting 39.5% on pull-up threes for the first 19 games of the season. Until- Is there anything different about those games? Yeah, it was. He wasn't playing 97 minutes a game. He wasn't starting. Um, like, <laughs> I, I, like I, I really can't stress this enough. 95% of my issues with Alec Burks are not about Alec Burks. I don't hate him. He's a good player. No, yeah. They're not about Alec Burks. They're about Tom Thibodeau. And they're about how Tom Thibodeau is using him. And they're really about how Tom Thibodeau has ruined him. I don't. I don't remember who I was talking to. Somebody. My. I, I was texting with my buddy today. But like, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I really don't think it's an exaggeration. There's no way to prove this, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. I don't think that it's an, it's an exaggeration to say that the way Tibbs has managed Burks this year has probably shaved a year or two off his career. Like, I really don't think that's an exaggeration to say because the guy I'm watching right now, he's got. Nothing. He's got no pop. He's got no... There's really nothing that he... Like, this was a guy who, at the start of the season, you can go back and look at games. He's, like, fucking creating shots off the bounce. You know, he's getting to the cup. He was finishing a lot better. Uh, He definitely knew who he was at the elbow at that point in the season. Um, You know, like, he was just looking a lot better. I mean, like, this is a guy who I think we, at least us two have described previously as a pretty solid, like, a, a really solid discount three-level scorer. Like, I don't remember the last time he took a mid-range shot that didn't make me want to, like, 
blow my brains out. It didn't just go flat and right on the front of the rim. Yeah, and I just, I just like today was the perfect example of it. Like, like there was no, like he did nothing out there today. He did nothing. He was terrible offensively. He was terrible defensively. Tyrese Maxey was just giving him fucking work. Like, absolute work. He had no shot against Tyrese Maxey. I mean, there was a possession, I think one of the first, like, three or four possessions of the game. Maxey literally just sprinted past him. You know who did do well against Tyrese Maxey? I know exactly. We're going to talk about him later. Cam Reddish and and also the other guy I think you wanted to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk, we're going to talk about both of them later. I, I would like to talk about both of them. But, like, he just sprinted by Burks in, in, in the open floor, and that's not because Burks is bad or because Burks is not trying. He just cannot keep up with these guys. Like he, You're asking so much of this guy. There is a reason why no other team he's been on ha- since like his first or second year in the league has asked him to be a point guard. There's a reason for that. Because he is not capable of doing it, either from a functional standpoint or from a pure like physical ability standpoint. Like you want this guy to run point and then also, you know, be like, you know, fucking defending point of attack. It's just it's insane. It's insane what they're at what Tibbs has done to him. And I I've talked about this before. It's just like today was a perfect example of it. You saw he did nothing today. He did absolutely nothing on the court. And for some Six reason shots in thirty four minutes. Forget about the shooting. Six shots? That's it? Like you, you were just there, you know. And and from it a drives, shooter, you know, it drives me nuts. It's one hundred six, one hundred five. The Knicks at that point, I, I'll have to look it up, but pretty sure the group they had on the floor was Randall, Obi, quickly RJ, and Cam. Pretty sure that was the group. One hundred six, one hundred five. We commit some foul because you know the entire game was just a fucking parade to the free throw line. Shout out NBA refs for deciding that. Like by the way. This Harden and Bead team is going to be unwatchable to watch. Like, hideous 90 free throw games. Just horrendous. Anyway, um, we commit a foul. He takes his opportunity to bring back Bergson for Reddish. There, the, the level of stupidity of this decision is unreal. Okay? It's unbelievable. Because I'll tell you what. It wasn't just that Burks was playing bad. Okay? And I don't particularly have a problem with him necessarily bringing Reddish out. Because I don't think Reddish was... I thought Reddish was fine today. And I thought he showed a lot of promise. And, like, I I continue to see why he tantalizes. Okay? But I don't think he played a perfect game. I don't think he was amazing. I didn't have a problem with him coming out then. What I have a problem with him... What I have a problem with is bringing Burks in for him. Because Evan Fournier, who has plenty of his own flaws as a player... Uh, and who was really bad on defense today, by the way, which needs to be said. It was awesome on offense. Yeah, it was awesome on offense today. It was like, he was on fire in the third quarter. I get, I get closing the game with Evan Fournier. I'm not going to kill Tibbs over that. But yeah. No, I'm going to kill him for that because you don't pick Burks over Fournier today. If the entire point, and this is what okay. we've been told. Like the, been this is what we've been told. Well, this is what we've been told. This is what we've been told. We are going to close. Like, decide how, Who closes is based on merit. Who plays is based on merit. On what merit was Burks the first guy to come back in the game? On what merit was Burks closing the game? On what fucking merit was Burks... He got 34 minutes today. He got 34 minutes! He played more than fucking quickly! 
He played more than quickly. He played more than Jericho Sims, who fouled out. Okay, fine. He played more than Obi Toppin, who was significantly better than him. He played more than Cam Reddish. And like, yeah, people will be like, well, how can you compare? Now I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. No, he played he played less than Randall, he played less than Fournier, and played less than Barrett. But like, yeah, people will be like, well, how can you compare? Like, you know, Toppin and, and Burks are completely different positions. This goes back to your point. Burks isn't actually playing point guard out there, right? So if Burks isn't actually playing point guard out there, then then it becomes even less understandable why you brought him back in for Obi. And Tibbs showed you this himself with his substitution pattern, that in this situation at least, he didn't feel they were playing different positions. He just wanted to bring his veteran security blanket back in the game for no fucking reason. It was an embarrassing decision. It was an embarrassing coaching performance today. Um, I, I don't, I'm like at a loss for words at this point, but the fact that Deuce McBride was a DNP coach's decision today is a fucking joke. Like, it is an embarrassment that this is, these are the decisions he's making while he's trying to win games. This is not about development. None of this is about development, by the way. Anybody that tells you it's about development is full of shit. Okay? This is not about development. This is about Tibbs trying to win games. He is coaching right now in the way he thinks is the optimal way to win games. And what he is showing you is that he is not a good coach right now. He has not been a good coach this season. And he should no longer be the coach of the Knicks any longer past the end of this season. He he should not. He, he has been a fucking joke. And he was a fucking joke today across the board. Just a fucking terrible performance. And the Burks minutes were just the the ultimate example of that. Because for Alec Burks to play 34 minutes tonight, I mean, that is an unbelievable garbage coaching job. I can't stress that enough. And I don't, I, I will also say this, I don't think the Knicks lost because of tips today. But, I mean, it's not about winning or losing games. This is about what are you doing to optimize your chances of winning games? Anybody that thinks that he's optimizing the chances of winning games with this pathetic, cowardly, fucking dog shit rotations and decision-making with young players and just everything is a fucking loser, okay? They're just as much of a fucking loser as Tibbs has been because I I just, I I can't. I mean, the guy pulled quickly today because he traveled once. Just an unbelievably pathetic coaching performance from him. He should be embarrassed. And people that defend him, they should be fucking embarrassed. Yeah. Um, here's a here's a question for you on a completely different note. True or false, Kyrie is a better scorer than Harden. That is true. Wow. Interesting. I think Kyrie's like I, I've tweeted this before. I think so. I think for me, I don't know what you think about what like I don't know what scoring means. Scoring can mean a lot of things to different people. Like so, this to me is not like a objective thing. I think it's a very subjective thing. To me, scoring is the idea of like I know that LeBron James averages more points per game for his career than Kobe Bryant. I will never in my life ever accept like in my mind, Kobe Bryant is a hundred percent a better scorer than LeBron James. And to me, what scoring means is in terms of evaluating best scorers. 
yes, you have to hit a certain level of efficiency, blah, blah, blah. But also just the pure ability to, is there any spot on the floor I can throw you the ball and you can get me a shot? And I think I can throw the ball to Kyrie anywhere on the floor and he can get me a shot. I don't feel the same way about James Harden. James Harden has a very specific way that he attacks defenses and a very specific way that he looks to score. I wouldn't trust him if I have the ball with three seconds left and I got to get a shot up under duress in any situation. I just need to throw it to somebody. I would never trust James Harden over Kyrie Irving. I would trust Kyrie Irving over basically maybe anybody in the NBA. And that's the last time and the only time I'll ever praise Kyrie Irving on this podcast. Yeah, I disagree because I think Kyrie's massively overrated um, and is a shitty person. And that tweet was from Robin Lundberg, who's also a shitty person. Yes, he's Boy. a shitty person. I knew it was from Robin Lundberg. Um, I just, I, I just, I don't know. If you're going to say, do I think that like Harden is a better player? Yeah, quite obviously. Like, no. I would no. say a better scorer because he's been more efficient and a higher volume for his career, but. Context matters and all those things. And, um, I get the point. Um, I do kind of on a brighter, bright, uh, a brighter note. Um, the Knicks did have a game. I mean, stepping back away from the frustrations of the, the minutia in the game, pretty much every young player besides Mitchell Robinson, we can talk about later, had a good game, and we still lost. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, RJ Barrett. It was not statistically, if you look at the scoreboard, the most efficient game. But if you saw his process, the creativity he showed against Joel Embiid, even even some of the layups he missed, uh, I like those, right? Like, he was going high off the glass. He was trying different things. He was using pump fakes. I really liked R.J. Barrett's process at the rim. Uh, I thought Quickly was great. Um, Quickly was awesome today. And Quickly probably should have had seven or eight assists, by the way. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he dimed up. Randall for a wide open corner three. He dimed up Burks for a wide open corner. And then there three. were points he'd top in a few times. There were a few where the guy got fouled and it still led to points. I thought quickly was great. I really liked Cam Reddish. I thought he had a good game. Um, Mitch was, you know, not you know, like, Mitch. Mitch was terrible. Uh, we we can talk about him. Later. He was garbage. But what I, I like, want to talk about first yeah, is Jerko Sims, Mitch's backup, because. There's a few things here. A, this is the second MVP candidate center that he's faced. Um, and I look pretty well against both of them. Yeah, right? Like um, The first being, by the way, uh, the first, just in case listeners aren't aware, would be, obviously, uh, Nikola Jokic. Yeah, not Nicholas Claxton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not Nikola Vucevic. Um, yeah. Um, but he's, he's, he's faced both those guys, and his, like, Yep, I mean, both of them got him, and he, he fouled out of this game in 18 minutes, which, by the way, like, this is obviously would have changed the game, but I did think he got the, the short shrift on some calls. Um, he, he seems advanced beyond his years. He sets by far the best screens on the Knicks, and he's a vertical threat. He, hits, he had eight rebounds in the first quarter. Um, I think, like... Maybe like I'd be interested in if you think this is a thing, but like I thought him playing with quickly helped quickly because I I think you've harped on this a lot that like quickly struggles when big set him shitty screens. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts on Jericho Sims? I thought Jericho Sims was fantastic. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I think that he was really, really good. Um, I thought he palpably made a difference. I think you see some of the rawness in him, specifically um, in pick and roll coverage when he doesn't switch and he plays the drop scheme. Um, you can see that he doesn't yet understand kind of like, because when you play drop as a big, there's a fine balancing act of like, you need to cut off the pass to the roll man while also not just giving the ball handler an open run to the rim. And I think you can still see like, that's very much a work in progress for him. But like, I mean, the things he can do are pretty spectacular. And, and just from a physical standpoint, I will say this. I don't really give a shit what Mitch weighs or whatever. Like, I don't know what he weighs. I don't care. I don't know what Jericho Sims weighs. I don't care. You watch the possessions Embiid had on Jericho Sims, and you watch the possessions that Embiid had on Mitchell Robinson, and I would love to give him truth serum and ask him who he felt more comfortable against throughout the game. And, and he, I would, does, he has a lot of respect for Mitchell Robinson, by the way. He does. I, I, I would 100% guess that it would be Jericho Sims because, I mean, he was much more physical with Embiid. I thought he made him work harder. I thought he denied him the position he wanted pretty often. Um, whereas I thought Mitch, I don't even want to talk about Mitch right now because we're talking about Jericho Sims, which makes me happy. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I just think that it was, it was really, really good stuff. And, um, you know, you should. Everybody should be encouraged by his activity level, his physicality. I mean, the he's also just a physical like his physical attributes are so spectacular. I mean, when he switches out onto the perimeter, he is not out of his comfort zone at all. You know, I, I still have yet to see him get burned on a switch, and I know he hasn't played a, a ton, so maybe that'll happen. But like, you know, I saw him. You know, we saw him switch out against Tyler Hero against uh, Miami on Friday a few times, had no issues sticking with him there. And whatever you think about Tyler Hero, he's like a pretty tricky ball handler. Better than RJ Barrett, according to... Yeah, according to Luis, According to fucking virgins. Um, but, <laughs> but like, like Hero's a pretty crafty ball handler, you know? And for him to stick with him the way he did on the perimeter is really promising. I thought today, like, that, I think he got switched onto Harden a few, a few times. I thought he did really well. Thought he did really well on Maxi a few times. Like, I just think that he's a really special physical talent, and you know, I I would be lying to you if I told you I knew anything about him in college. But Prez knows about stuff, and Prez was pretty high on him. I think as a prospect, not not like a first round guy, but he was like he was higher on his board than where he got drafted, which was fifty eighth. Um, and I think. From what he's told me, it does seem like they definitely, or that he has progressed um, and developed positively so far in his short time with the Knicks. Uh, you know, obviously having spent a lot of that in the G League. So, like, yeah, I mean, as far as the screening stuff, though, too, I, I tweeted out during the game, he had a screen really, really early in the game when he came in for Mitch, where he just freed up RJ, and RJ had, like, so much more time to kind of size up Embiid, and then he had a chance to hit uh, Fournier on a cut, which I think he got fouled on. Um, I, I'm pretty. I, I don't think he finished it. I think he got fouled on it. But like, yeah, I mean, his screen game is really, really good offensively. I think when the Knicks do get 
a more dynamic downhill guard to pair to play with him, you'll get a lot more out of him. And the difference between him and Mitch for me, like quite frankly, is is that like the screening with him is so legitimate. Like I feel like you don't need to fight over screens against Mitch, right? Like if you're an opponent opposing defensive player. Like he's just going to like you don't I mean what happened to Maxi was tell Maxi, by the way, I think you were very much on the Tyrese Maxi bandwagon before the draft. Yeah, I like him a lot. Loved him. He's awesome today. And it's a it's it's just fun watching him and quickly go at it because they're like, you know, friends or whatever. Hopefully quickly can make good on that for us. But um you know, there was a like quickly who has really struggled. Um, he got they they did a cool action. They had a double kind of screen between him and Randall. Or, sorry, they had Sims and Randall setting screens on opposite sides. Quickly, kind of the choice. He took Sims's screen. Tyrese Maxey's excellent getting over screens, and he he had a good technique. He tried to get skinny, and Sims just takes up so much space yep. Yep. that he had to come from behind. And Maxey, who's a very dis- disciplined defender, hit. Hit quickly in the in the, the head, and, and I'm. This is not to shit on Maxi because Maxi hit our hit the dagger in Quickly's face with a step back, but that's what Sims does, right? Like he he just take like his screens are so well set fundamentally. He's a big dude. Um, he also has the mobility where you have to be worried about him slipping it. Yeah, it's even. I mean, he's at least on Taj's level in terms of fun, fundamentals, and obviously has way more tools he can work with to threaten off of it, you know? This is what I was saying. And, you know, we might as well just talk about Mitch at this point, because we can get back to, like, the good stuff later. But, like, I I feel like I've seen... I will, Okay. Last year, when I watched Mitch, okay, his, so his, that was his third year in the league, I felt like I was watching a player take really significant strides in his mental understanding of the game on both ends of the floor. I talked about this a lot then. I thought he really, really was grasping concepts, applying them in game. I thought he showed some real um, some some real ability to be a step ahead of the play or diagnose plays before they happened. And I don't know what is going on with him. And I know I know his, he had a whole situation with his father, so like maybe that's playing into this right now, but like even before these last couple of games or whatever, like I've just been really disappointed with his processing this year. Like I don't I, I now feel like I'm watching a player who looks worse than they did last year. Um and I, I know there's been a lot of like, well, you know, he's recovering from blah 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 blah, he's out of shape, okay. Which I don't know why that's an excuse, by the way. Uh, if you're out of shape, like you're a professional athlete, maybe get in shape, buddy. Um, but like, I, I just feel like very bad shaming Schwinny over here. Yeah. No, I just feel very incredibly disappointed when I watch him because I, I, I feel like instead of taking a step forward, he's taking a step back, and he looks way closer now. To the player he was his first two years in the NBA, which isn't to say it's a bad player. It's not a bad player, but it's a player 
who is very clearly incapable of playing against the upper echelon centers in the NBA. And these last two games for him have been pathetic. They've been embarrassing and pathetic. Um, he, in fairness, he he's played well against Bam and against Embiid. Uh, and yeah, against, yeah, sure, he's done it in the past. But like, like I I don't care. Like he's a fourth year player. He's in a contract year. He is no longer. I don't think we're at the point in the season now where I think most of us believe that he's in at least reasonable physical shape. Um, these last two games for him have been embarrassing, and. He has gotten embarrassed by Robert Williams multiple times this year. I cannot think of a single top 10 center in the NBA that this year Mitch has matched up against. And I've come out of that matchup thinking, yeah, he played him even or he or he outplayed him. And Valanchunas. Who? Valanchunas. Is he not a top 10 center? Okay, yeah, I guess he played him even that one time. He got destroyed by him the one game in New Orleans. But yeah, second game in New York, they at least played even. But like... I would have won it, but okay, that's fine. I mean, I think it was at least debatable. Okay, fine, whatever. You want to say you won it, cool. But like, he has to be winning matchups like that at some point. And he can't have these... Like, it's all well and good beating up on the, you know, Isaiah Stewart's of the world and these low-end centers. And we know he can do that. So, again, this is not me saying he's, like, some trash player or nothing player. But, like, to see where he is at today and then to watch Jericho Sims come into the same fucking game and compare that performance is, like, I don't know what to make of that, but I will say this. Like, I, I as somebody who was a big proponent of the Knicks extending Mitch before the season, is there a price where I would still extend him? Absolutely. Do I think that it is now? I think what I said previously was that if the Knicks... So you're saying today's price is not yesterday's price. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I said was that if the Knicks, when the Knicks didn't extend him to the start of the season, is that if they didn't extend him and keep him, that would be a really massive failure and would exhibit just a lack of trust and cowardice to an extent on their part. And what I am saying now is if the Knicks did not extend him, I don't think I would lose too much sleep over it. Because I don't know how you come into a contract year and this is the level of effort and focus and conditioning that you get. And if that's what you get out of Mitch in a contract year, why do I want to commit multiple years to this player and trust that as soon as I pay him, he's going to improve or at least like i just don't understand it i I, so what's your max do you have a number like would you give him if he agreed to the four for 52 extension that we can offer him would you do that so no you would not at this point well i wouldn't give him four years guaranteed absolutely not no shot i would give him two years guaranteed maybe wow you'd give him the nerlens noel deal i i'm so out on paying centers extended contracts at this point after the nerlens the Nerlens contract is a good learning lesson. Like, don't. It's not, pay- it's not that bad a contract, I don't think. But it's not a bad contract. But it's also like one maybe you don't value backup centers to that extent because they they're churn and burn. Backup centers are like backup running backs. 
You do not need to tie yourself down to one. Well, especially if you can draft, yeah, like like you can draft a backup running back in the seventh round. You can draft Jericho, Jericho Sims. Sims, exactly. And like, and this is where I was going with this is like, I am not sure that for the next two years, would I rather have Mitch on eleven, whatever the fuck, or let's say, let's say you got two years, twenty five million. Or Jericho on two years minimum, whatever the fuck he's going to get. Um, obviously, Mitch has a longer track record, way more of a sample size. You uh, he's also younger, I think, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's there's all kinds of reasons for why it's not absurd to prefer Mitch at all, and I'm not suggesting that. But and and we'll see. But like. The the nice thing for the Knicks is they don't have to make this yeah, decision for, for right the now. Record, sorry, uh, for the record, Mitch is exactly uh, six months older than uh, Jericho. Yeah, Mitch is April ninety eight. Jericho is October ninety eight. So Jericho is yeah, like six months younger. Yeah, I, I just think it's like, would I rather have Jericho sin? I mean, th- again, the Knicks don't have to make this decision for another however many months. So, like, this can change, but if you put a gun to my head today and you were like, make a decision, I would probably rather just bet on, like, Erico Sims making the minimal money he's making and betting on myself to find value in the center market and free agency over extending Mitch, if I had to choose between the two. Because I just can't stress enough how disappointed I am with Mitch's performance this season. And I mean, today was like, I thought it was so embarrassing to watch him against Joel Embiid. I mean, the amount of pump fakes he fell for were like, you've played this guy so many times. And like, the thing that really frustrates me is you're seven foot one. You've got this elite wingspan. <coughs> you don't need to contest shots. At least if you're going to contest shots, like, it should not be this fucking thing four years into his career where we still have to hope and pray that he can go up vertical. And he never does. He never goes up vertical. He's always jumping all over the place. And today, I thought he was so... He was behind the action constantly. And, like, no. Do I think he got great help from, like, Julius or other guys in the lineup? No, I don't. Did you you think that he might not have gotten the benefit of the whistle? What do you mean? Uh, So, I'll... I thought Embiid and Harden too got a ton of bullshit calls. I think they did. Robinson was victimized by that. He he was like. I yes, mean, I know. Yes. So, this is a bit of pet peeve, uh, but I, I I don't like Doris Burke anymore. Every time she does a Knicks game, uh, she's awful. Awful. I I get why people like her, but there was a play where, and looking at it now on Twitter, Harden got a fast break. RJ did a good job getting back in transition, and then Harden went behind between his legs behind to Embiid, and then he just shoved RJ and like just threw him out of the picture. I'm not saying RJ. Yeah, Bradley. I didn't understand that call at all. That was like an obvious offensive foul to me. Yeah, and but okay, fine. It's not an offensive foul, whatever. Like you see, sometimes dudes get over, get away with shit like that. But Doris Burke was like, "Look at him. He's like an offensive lineman. Look how great he is." I'm like, "That's no. It's called an offensive foul." And you're shitting on R.J. Barrett, but she doesn't get it. And she's apparently a, a lifelong Knicks fan. But I, 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 
I don't like. I like Doris Burke. I guess doing Lakers games or whatever. I I don't want to watch her doing Knicks games anymore. Maybe it's maybe she is that emotional about it, like we would be because she was a Knicks fan and she like has bottled up, which I probably would if I did a game. But um, you know, I, I'm just I'm okay with not watch having her do Knicks games at least. Yeah, I think she was awful, but like. Just to go back to Mitch, like I just don't know what to do with this guy. Like I, I, I'm really, really like watching these last two games, especially, have been really disheartening for me. Um, and it's like, you know, look, he's got 22 more games, I think, you have it left after this. So you know, we'll see what what happens. But like, I just he these are huge 22 games in my opinion, or 21 games, whatever the fuck. I, I don't even know what the fuck it is. 23, whatever, who knows. Um, it's just, like, what are we doing with him? And also, like, this is the other thing is, I think I've seen a little bit more improvement from Jericho Sims in the last six months than I feel like what I'm looking at with the current version of Mitch from what he was. Like, what is Mitch actually better at since he came into the league? Defensive rebounding. Yeah, um, offensive rebounding. He is much. Is he, is he actually better at offensive rebounding, or is he just stronger? That that's a fair point. Um, I, I I don't know which side I would take. Um, I do think I disagree with you pretty strongly on the verticality aspect. Um, I think he's actually gotten a lot better at that. I think he's gotten good at avoiding fouls and contesting without avoiding fouls. Um, to me, the problems are more around conditioning. Like there was a like I don't think. I think Tyrese Maxey really had him off balance, which <laughs> I'm going to gush about that guy. But man, I fucking wish we drafted. I like OB and I like quickly, but I fucking wish we had Tyrese Maxey. That guy is awesome. When everyone cries about Tyrese Halliburton, I'm like, oh, it's Maxey. Maybe I'm still dealing with our own Tyrese biasing me against Halliburton. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know. I I I I know like the he he's improved his foul rate or whatever. I just think he does. He fouls a lot less, and he he's a he's a much more impactful defender. Like I don't think you can if you want to say he hasn't done anything on offense, fine. But you can't say he hasn't a way more not just not just in terms of not having fouls, but like when he's on the floor, they are massively better on defense. Uh, He's a shot deterrent. He's a shot blocker. Does it without fouling. Uh, he's an excellent defensive rebounder. Like that matters. Yeah, I, I kind of just don't give a shit to be honest with you. Like, I don't think he's That's any, fair, but like I, I just don't think he's anywhere near. I just don't think you should say. I don't think it's fair to say he hasn't improved or anything. You can say that is. You can get seventy five percent of that for. So he has. He's averaging, bit, but like I don't think you can say that he hasn't improved. That's my point. I mean, his foul rate has improved. It's still not great. And I think it's easy for skilled offensive players to get him into foul trouble. Like, I was not shocked at all that he could not stay on the court against Embiid today. And yes, the whistle sucked, and yet, but he doesn't help himself. He can't, he's never under control. He's fucking jumping at every single feint and every pump fake and every move. Like, the first foul he picked up was so fucking stupid. It was like a pick and pop. Harden drove. He cut off the drive. Good job, Mitch. He drops. He 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 throws the pocket pass back to Embiid, who was at 
just probably like a step or two behind the free throw line. And that's just a shot you got to fucking live with. That's a shot you got to live with. You don't have to try and block that shot. That's not a desperation situation. It's the fucking like first or second minute of the game. You live with that. Okay, if Joel Embiid wants to sit out there and pop 18-foot jumpers, cool. You live with that, especially at that point in the game. He jumps out, Embiid goes by him, and now Mitch is hustling back, and he's off balance, and he gets up, he draws a foul right there. Like, he doesn't act. Like, I agree that he is very, very impactful when he's on the floor, and I also agree that he's very, very important to this team. But he doesn't act like it, and he doesn't understand his own importance, and he doesn't apply it to how he plays the game. And that is unacceptable to me at this point in his career. Like, we cannot have games like this where you're going against an upper echelon center, arguably the best center in the NBA, at the very least probably the second or third best center in the NBA. That's at worst. These are the fucking games you need your best players to stand up, and you need them to match it's up. It's top two. It depends if you're a racer. They're yeah. not. He's yeah. But you just, top. like, you need, like, I need Mitch to, I don't expect him to win this matchup, obviously. Joel Embiid is. Joel he's got to play the way Jericho Sims did. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got to be, be way fucking better than and this. he has the past. He has, front, like, Embiid himself has praised Mitch. Yeah, that was his rookie season, though. That was literally his rookie season. That's yeah, I mean, you can there. see that when they play each other, I've generally been happy with... I mean, I think Mitch kind of alternates between fouling a lot or, like, being the dude who, like, is willing to live with Embiid jumpers. And Embiid is a really good mid-range shooter. Like, he's not KD, but he's a really good mid-range shooter. But I, I think he's generally done a pretty good job there. And I think, you know, the fact that he's been praised a lot matters. Um, I guess the question is, I mean, do, are you in the are you in the camp that says he this is who he's going this is who he is? Yeah, well, why would I believe in any, anything else? This is contract here. He showed this is like look. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say exactly what happened this year. Okay, he had whatever foot surgery he had. Right? Okay, I understand. He's not able to do a lot of work. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He comes to camp. He's out of shape. Okay, so he's out of shape. He has to play himself into shape for basically the first two and a half months. He has a nice January. A really nice January, actually. I don't think his February has been very good at all. I think he's put together one good month this season. And I think over the course of this season, we've seen that he's added nothing to his offensive game. He is still a bad... The guy, the, you know, he put on all this weight, allegedly, muscle, whatever. He bragged about it all. Oh, like, he, you know, he was flexing. He loved all that shit. Still a bad screener to me. I don't think he sets a good screen. I think he is very eager to slip screens. So I, I think he's done that. I think his understanding of positioning offensively is still garbage. I think he's regressed in his understanding positionally, defensively, somehow. And... I don't trust him. I don't... Why would I trust him? This is like... If there's one stage of your career where a player should be putting forth the absolute best version of themselves, be 100% locked in and focused from day one till the end of the season, it should be your contract season. 
especially the, your first contract year at the end of your rookie contract. If he can't be focused and in condition and on top of his shit at right now, why the fuck would I trust him when I pay him? Why would I? I wouldn't. Like, there's absolutely. Well, why would you put a ring on someone you care about? It's true, except if you care about. So, are you going people. against the entire idea of marriage, Beta? Yes, I am. Daddy. Wow. Uh, no, I, I, like I said, I give him two years. I give him a two-year guarantee. That's about it. I, I can't go more than that because I don't trust him, and he's given me no reason to trust him. Why should I trust him? What the fuck has he done this year for me to trust him? He'll have great games, and then he'll have a shitty game. Like he has, but it's not just great. He has been the. If you had did a distribution of games, and I, I'm not saying I disagree with your larger point. I think it's, I'm still a little undecided on this. But if you look at the number of games where someone has been the best player on the Knicks, right? I'd say he's top two. Yeah, I would. I, I'm sorry. Like I just, if I'm gonna give a so limited, you, I mean, if you had to say, no, this is just my, this is my fundamental thing. If all you are asked to do offensively is be a rim runner. As a center, which is fine, that's fine. Then I don't like. I need consistent excellence from you defensively. I don't get that from Mitch. I don't get consistent ex- consistent excellence. I don't even get consistent games from him. He can fluctuate within a game from awful to awesome, or awesome to awful. Like there is no consistency with him. Like this, this is literally look. These are his last. I'm just going to read you off his last. Uh, what is this? His last eleven games. Okay, these are his last eleven games. Seven and ten against Miami, minus eighteen. Seven and six against Milwaukee, minus two. I'll, I'll read off the minutes too. Twenty-nine minutes against Miami, twenty-five against Milwaukee. Against Sacramento, nine and thirteen, twenty-one minutes plus thirteen. Against Memphis, fourteen and eleven. 29 minutes, or about 30 minutes, plus one. That was probably, to me, the best game of his career, by the way. Uh, Lakers, four points, 11 rebounds, 29 minutes, 30 seconds, plus eight. Utah, 19 points, 21 rebounds, 36 minutes, plus seven. Amazing performance. Inactive the next game. Golden State, next game, seven points, 11 rebounds, minus one. Portland, two points. Zero rebounds. 14 minutes, 25 seconds. 14 minutes, 25 seconds. Minus six. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, OKC, 14 and 17. 40 minutes in that game. That was an overtime game. Brooklyn, two points. Two points, seven rebounds. 22 and a half minutes, plus eight. Miami, zero points, by the way. Uh, zero points, nine rebounds, 29 minutes, minus eight. And then, it's worth mentioning Miami was when his dad was still missing all that. So Yeah, look, uh, I, I don't want to sound insensitive to this, um, so I'm not going to touch on this. But I'm just going to judge him on his performance. I don't want to talk. I, I don't know what's going on in his life in terms of how it's affecting him personally, and I hope that he's okay mentally and all this stuff is good. Um, so best to him and his family. Um, and then today, obviously, Mitch, he is six points, four rebounds, 
17 minutes, fouls out. I, I, that does not sound like a consistent player. That's a player that's like very up and down. And it's like, like I watch him and then I watch Robert Williams in the Celtics. Or Jericho Sims, but yeah. Yeah, or like, or like I just, I need him to be where Robert Williams is and he's not. And I don't think, obviously, Jericho Sims is not where even Mitch is right now. But the improvement I've seen from him um, over the course of the season from where he was in Summer League to now is actually pretty impressive to me. And, you know, then there's also just the stuff that he does that he's done since day one, right? Like the, the screening, we, I think we talked about this back in fucking Summer League. And like with Mitch, it's year four, and I'm still like, are you going to... Are you going to get good at this? Is this going to be a thing? Or are we just going to like, you know, is this just never going to happen? And and that's really what it is. I, I'm very worried about it. I, I I would be very okay with moving on from Mitch. Interesting. Um, on another note of another young player, uh, one player who's been struggling uh, has drawn the ire of uh, Jay from Florida among other fans, <laughs> um, is Emmanuel Quickly, who I have been told doesn't pass too much. He doesn't know how to pass. Uh, he doesn't. He looks off camera. Um, he doesn't. Pa- he Cam Reddish had sex with Emmanuel Quickly's entire family, um, and that's why he doesn't pass in the ball. All that. Is shit. that a thing that was tweeted or something? I, I exaggerated, but there are people who think that quickly had a vendetta against Reddish and didn't pass the ball enough, which it's worth noting today. I think there were three. I thought Cam Reddish played well, and we should talk about that, but I will mention that on that specific note, I think there were three times quickly himself found Reddish open in the corner and Reddish just missed the shot, which is both an indication that it's nice to see them working well together and also like, yeah, it's not Quigley's fault. But, um, you know, me and you have, are both very much quickly hive people. I think you were there before me. You were into his, you know, pre-draft work ethic and all of that. Um, yeah, let's, I don't think we have talked too much about this. Um, how do you contextualize the struggles he's had this season? How much of it is real? How much of it is randomness? How much of it is just growing pains? And what does today mean in terms of how we played in the context well, of I'll, I'll throw this back to you because I've been thinking about this. I'm not much of a shot doctor, shot mechanics person, but I want to throw this back to you. Do you think that he's like, is, is he trying to shoot differently on his threes or something to you, especially off the dribble maybe because some of the misses he has, and I know you talked about like the percentages in his pull up game are the same, but doesn't it feel like his misses are a lot uglier yeah. this year? And I'm just wondering, do you think that there's something maybe mechanically he's trying to... I know Prez has kind of talked about this, I don't, and I, I don't want to put words in Prez's mouth, um, but I, I do think he's like, not specifically about quickly, but he's talked about how like guys will change their mechanics because you got to speed up your release or whatever, right? There's various reasons to do it. Um, and that, that can obviously impact your... Um, your 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 shooting efficiencies. Um, so I'm just worried. I, I I'm not a shot mechanic person or whatever, but like I'm curious to get your thoughts. Like, do you watch him this year and think that that there is something there with that? That maybe he is like that, and that's part of the reason that he's struggled a bit. Uh, I'm just curious. I mean, my major take has been 
like his considering the amount of difficult shots he's hit, I still think it's more randomness. This is something me and um, Prez have talked about a lot, specifically with regards to quickly. Um, so, you know, I've looked into like a lot of the stats, and it's saying that uh, the tracking data for NBA.com can be, uh, you know, a little bit dubious. But uh, he's shooting thirty-one percent on wide open threes. He was shooting forty-three percent last year. Forty-six percent on catch and shoots. Thirty-three percent last year. I think Price's contention has been, um, you know, a lot of those quote-unquote catch-and-shoots, he catches pump fakes and side steps, right? And on those kinds of thoughts, those kinds of shots, he might be moving more. That's something people have... I, I personally don't see it. Um, I don't think... I, I do think it's more randomness than anything else. Um, I think Prez and... Um, a Zillow on Twitter are probably the best people. They've talked a little bit about this, but as much as I respect both of them, I think the kind of things they've talked about seem to be minor issues like you. And I, th- I think he's just missing shots. I think he has very little to do with his role. Um, I so that's that's probably where I disagree with you um, because I think that like I don't think it's necessarily like I I think the shot diet is the same shot diet. I I don't. I'm not like I. I'm with you there, where I don't think it's necessarily the shots that he's taking that are affecting him at all. Um, what I do think is different, though, is one now that he's playing without Rose for a longer period of time, and teams are aware of quickly now, so there's a scouting report on him, right? Like team, this is not like they don't know who the fuck he is because he's a rookie that was drafted 25th overall. This is like, okay, no, we know who quickly is. He had this rookie season. People know what his tendencies are. So I think there's a bit of a book out on him a little bit too. Um, and I think the other part of it is that whatever you think about this, and I'm not going to just blame Tibbs for this because I, you know, if I, if I, if I'm going to say that. But you love Tibbs. Yeah, I love Tibbs. But if I'm going to say that quickly, if I'm, if I'm going to say that quickly can be, can be a point guard, then I can't also simultaneously hate on Tibbs for putting him in lineups where he has to do a lion's share of the creation. Right, but, um, but do you think that because he's doing that, that's like that's what's I think I think it's affecting his like, I think I, that's he, why he's shooting thirty one percent on catch and like he was he went from being Joe Harris on catch and shoots to like Draymond Green. That's, yeah, I mean I, I don't I don't but like I'm not that I'm to be honest with you, I'm I'm just I'm not even that focused on the percentages of what he's shooting. I'm purely because because I, I I've said this before. When he was shooting like shit for the start of the season, I I was like hundred percent consistently saying I don't care. I think he's playing well. The shot will come around. I'm not worried about it. I think he's playing well. I think he's he's doing the right things. All of that, like I, I stand by that. I thought he it didn't matter that he was shooting poorly to me at that time because I thought he was playing well. I thought he was making good decisions. I thought his process was good. I think this recent slump is different because mm. I don't think his process has been as clean. And I think that's because of he is trying to consciously be, quote unquote, a point guard. And he's struggling with that because he's trying to make sh- I think like you can see that at times he feels like he shouldn't shoot. 
and he should try to set guys up. And I think that manifests in different ways. Like I know he's made a conscious effort to take less floaters this year as it is, but now there are times where I think he passes up opportunities of floaters that he shouldn't pass up because he has it so far in his head that like, Oh, I can't take this shot. I I should set somebody up or I should find a better shot. Like, I think you can see that work itself out when you're just watching him. Do I think that like, but I, I do agree with you. I don't think I'm not worried about his shooting percentages really at all. Like, you know, the wide, like, like you mentioned, the catch and shoot stuff just feels like one of those weird seasons that guys have sometimes. Um, we have enough of a sample of, of him as a catch and shoot guy going back to college and stuff that it just doesn't worry me. But, um, yeah, I think his struggles are more than just like he's shooting poorly on, on catch and shoot shots. I do, I do think there's, there's a bit more to it than that. A bit, but I think it is it fair to like because I think a lot of people are like I think what I disagree with is like well he's he's not meant to be a point guard he's a, a shooting guard off the bench and I actually would be willing to reconsider my view on that if it wasn't for the data points I mentioned right um well yeah. so I think I think there's also a difference though like. There's a difference between you're the lead ball handler and you have to initiate the offense and you have to break break down the defense from the top of the key. Um, you have to initiate that versus, versus the ball up and play. Yeah, with yeah. versus versus like second like when and he so plays. You know, first, who looked? Who did? Who did quickly share a ton of his minutes with today when he looked really well? Another young player, Deuce McBride. <laughs> Not Deuce McBride, <laughs> but another the player you are highest on of the Knicks. Uh, who I've always felt is the best person to pair. And when you pair him with them, I, Tommy D tweeted this once. Like, I think Tom Piccolo had put on a thing about how quickly he's like, just had amazing net ratings as the point guard. And Tommy D was like, well, in most of those lineups, RJ is the point guard. And my thing is, yeah, who gives a shit? If they get to play together, I don't care if quickly is the point guard. I don't care. If RJ is the point guard. I don't care. Jerry Sims is the point guard. I don't think care if fucking, um, Theo Pinson from Brooklyn. Jer- Jericho Sims had two assists today, by the way. What? Jericho Sims had two assists today, by the way. Two assists. Well, uh, infinitely more than Alec Burks. <laughs> um, but, um, not a, but the point is, like, that's the whole point. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, quickly doesn't need to be a point guard. Because our best young player functions exactly best with someone like him who can play on ball, who can play off ball. They complement each other. And that's what nobody fucking. That's why, like, we don't talk too much about Tommy D on this pod. But like, it's like no, we can talk about Tommy D because he he quote tweeted me today. I I was talking. I don't remember. I, I, I'm surprised he thinks so much about what you think about what he thinks about. The guy's a fucking moron. He can fucking eat my asshole if he wants. Fuck him and his fucking bald like- ass. Bullshit, fucking dumbass emoji. We'll find you a woman instead. That'd be better. Yeah, he's oh. a fucking loser. I can't believe somebody of all the dumb shit I tweet, of all the reactionary, insane things I tweet. This fucking bald ass loser, fucking quote tweeted me saying I would just be happy getting minutes of IQ Deuce Reddish Obi and Sims, and that would make me happy. And he apparently was like, it amazes me what would make Knicks fans happy. Oh, does it amaze you? Does it fucking amaze you that I would like, I'd prefer 
to watch players that have a chance of being part of our fucking future uh, get minutes together than to watch Alec Burks fucking fart away possessions and Evan Fournier take step back corner threes and for no fucking reason and to watch Julius Randle dribble the ball off his fucking dick 15 times like is that really surprising to you you fucking dumbass moron um yeah I'm sorry I don't know fuck him I am so sick of that guy and I have no idea what his point even is at any point sorry go ahead yeah but the point is he was like the point, which was a reasonable point that's like halfway there, was like in the lineups where Kickley does a does really well with the bench as the point guard or as a nominal point guard, RJ's and I'm like, yeah. So what does that tell you? That means if you have RJ Barrett on the floor, you don't have to play him at point guard, but you you might need there's probably a difference between a nominal point guard and Alec Burks. And it's also but, it's also really small things like quickly can bring the ball up the floor and then just pitch it to RJ. Like yeah, I know like, that's like we've all played that. and we've all played pickup. Like it does take a lot out of you to just bring the ball up. As stupid as that sounds, even if it's not under pressure, even if well, it's just saw that because the Sixers when they put Tyrese Maxey on Burks, it slowed him down. Yeah, Whereas yeah. quickly and maybe quickly, but it's not. You can argue quickly got to play for an entire year against Tyrese Maxey and you know they he knows his game but he's always been like he doesn't struggle with ball pressure he's a good ball handler he's the the best ball handler on the team probably besides Rose um he's a better ball handler than Burks so uh but the point I'm making is like the biggest issue that quickly has is rim pressure and I'm not arguing that they shouldn't try to get someone who is better who can do the rim pressure as well as give you some of the things that quickly gives. I'm not saying that he should be the guy they lock themselves into. Like if they can get Jalen Brunson and quickly has to be the sixth man, so be it. I'm fine with that. What I am saying is that like with the roster you have now, the fact that you have RJ Barrett and he he can play that role or he can alleviate what quickly's bad at and quickly alleviates what he's bad at it, why would you not do that? Um no why'd you not you see if dudes who I would, would does Deuce have a similar skill set to quickly? In many ways, yeah, because he is a combo guard. Um, Deuce has more of a mid range game, but neither of them gets to the rim a lot. They're both pull up guys. They're both guys who like to make the simple quick pass as opposed to like the long developing draw double and pass it out, right? Um, by the way, that was another like with quickly is something he's trying to do with Reddish, and it, it really looked like he was trying to get the ball to Reddish more. But he'll drive towards the middle of the floor, and I think he realizes now that, like Quentin Grimes, Reddish doesn't need much time and space to get the ball off. So as soon as Reddish's defender would take a step, he was just hitting Reddish on the catch, and you know Reddish didn't make them, but they were good looks. Um, so like I think he's like McBride is like that too, where they'll like they'll manufacture like a fifteen percent advantage and be willing to capitalize on that as opposed to guys like John Moran or Chris Paul, who are going to try to get that 100% advantage that's always an open three. Um, but yeah, like I think that those guys probably fit well with RJ, and, and Burks just doesn't. Yeah, uh, I, I think... It's also like, I just don't understand this idea anymore of like, what if quickly fails? Like, I don't know. What what if he fails? Is, are, is the world going to end? Are we going to all, you know, have to fucking go to Ukraine and stand on the front lines. Like, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. Like, what's going to, what's going to fucking happen? If I was Vladimir Putin's 
mother, then Emmanuel quickly would be point guard right now. Yeah, like, I just, I really don't know why this matters. Like, this is what we know. Burks is not a point guard. We know that Burks is 30 years old. So the odds are he's not going to develop into one. And that's okay. That's fine. And quickly, that's like not a point guard, but he does it pretty well when he gets to play with RJ Barrett. That it, would be it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter to me if quickly is a point guard or not. Like, your point, again, what but matters? He it when he plays with RJ. And, and uh, again, even if, even if ultimately you still need to find a point guard, it's not a big deal. What you want to do is find young players who play well together and develop chemistry and synergy between them. That's what we should be fucking focused on. Instead, we are focused on trying to win games. And guess what? You can't win games playing shitty fucking lineups. I'll wait two minutes. So, like, none of this makes any sense. It's all counterintuitive bullshit. And basically what it all is is an appeal to the authority of Tibbs. And I'm sorry. You want to fucking sit here and pretend that... What is Tibbs? Tibbs' talent evaluation has been awful this year. Across the board. It's been fucking terrible. Every young player comes in. Can we talk about this, by the way? We were told Grimes wasn't ready for minutes. And first round pick, those got some... Until he was. Until he came in with COVID, which Tibbs literally had no other choice. And Grimes came in... Did he have 27 his first game or his second game? It was his first start that he had 27, yeah. Yeah, but he, he immediately came in. Is it like The biggest thing you worry about is, are these guys going to get blown by on defense? That doesn't happen to him. Uh, can these guys shoot well enough to space the floor? Obviously, he's... You look at... Deuce has not shot well. But he's never looked incapable on defense. Deuce has also played like 19 minutes. Yeah, but he played several important games. And right, right. I'm, no, I'm, saying, I'm saying the percentages barely matter for him. Yeah. Um, but so he hasn't shot a good percentage, even though he's a good shooter. And I buy the shot. He was a great shooter in college. But um, like on defense where he's had lapses, it's not like he's not used to the speed of the game. It's just like there's things where you're like, this is the time where you don't get out of your stance, right? Um, but anyway, Deuce looked fine. Grimes looked amazing. And then now we have we have a guy. I'm, I can't get past this, right? This guy who you wouldn't get off the bench. And like I don't hate Nerlens Noel. I think he has a lot of value. I hate Nerlens Noel. But if if okay, if you didn't hate Nerlens Noel and you wanted to argue that the reason he has struggled this year relative to last year, he's injured. He's injured. injured. Then, so it's reported today that he has plantar fasciitis. Right. So, like, if you're fucking up his career, you're fucking him up, and you have this guy who just this is he didn't come on and like have a good couple of this isn't Glenn Sanity. He he sets big screens. He has stayed in possession against Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. To the extent that he's committed fouls, like there's only there's only been a couple of like one or two fouls every game. I'm like, yeah, he needs to know better, right? Like he'll learn. But most of them are like superstar calls, or he's in the right position, and like they just make a play. And um, that's Sims. So like when you tell like that's the thing when people are like McBride doesn't deserve probably doesn't deserve minutes. I'm like, what am I supposed to base that on? Like I don't I don't I don't agree with that. Um, but on that note. Here's the thing. It's I've been looking for reasons to not like Cam Reddish. I'll be full disclosure. I I am with you, and I actually hate. And I, I, I I'm going 100, 180 on that because yeah. I, I I've been very yeah. 
I, I hate how much I'm impressed by him, by what yeah. I've seen of him in the Knicks. Like, and I hate it. I hate it especially because when he was on the Hawks and people would be like, oh my God, his potential is upside. I'd be like, I just like look up his basketball reference page and I'm like, this guy's shooting like 9%. Like, what are you talking about? But now that he's on the Knicks, I'm like, I, I see it. I see the vision. Like, he needs more minutes. We got to fucking play him through it. <laughs> it's, it's, there's, there's a few things with him, right? Yeah, like, now it's not... Like, that's that was a Dennis Smith Jr. case for me, by the way. We've gone through this before. <laughs> um, with Cam, there's a few things. Number one, just in terms of today, I really thought his length on defense was something we needed against that team. He can and- contest without being in position to contest. And he can, he also has that thing where like he can just do um you know like it's almost like Spider-Man shooting on his web, right? Like he can just stick his hand out and grab the ball when someone tries to go by him. It's like even when you're a kid when you try to drive by your dad and your handle isn't bad, but like his hand just goes or you know his arm just goes way wider. Me and my, me and my dad only played cricket, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, if we want to go Indian, uh, if you're played Street Fighter it's like Dalsim, the like dude who could just stick his hands out and punch you. I hope you get that reference, but I do. Um, but um, like that's that's what he is. We don't. We not even RJ is that. Who are RJ's defense has actually been not as good as it was last year. That's my opinion. I, it hasn't, and I think it's also because he's trying to do more on offense. Um, yeah, but I also I also just think like. I don't know. Well, let's. I don't want to get it. I'll. I'll, I'll leave the defense uh, discussion for a little bit later because we do need to talk about it. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, with Cam, he he's and especially today, Burks has shown the ability to be a really good defender. Like again, I I think we've both emphasized this. I don't hate Alec Burks. I think he's a quality member of the Knicks. I really like Burks. I like actually really like it. Like he shot forty seven percent on pull ups last year. Like he's a good player. He's a valuable player. Um, he's just miscast, and I think he's suffering personally. I think if you move Burks off ball, like the person would benefit the most would be him. But getting back to Reddish, and then the other thing is what we were told he was bad at was defense and shot selection. Today was like the and and passing. Today was like if you wanted someone, if you wanted to like be on your best behavior, if you're Cam Reddish and show everyone that all of these things are overblown, that's what he did. Um. In terms of shot selection, he took one contested midi fadeaway with three seconds left on the shot clock when nobody else was willing to do anything. He drove, took one, and to his credit, he made it. Uh, and it's a completely, like, if you take it in that situation, you could be Jewish Randall, you could be Alfred Payton, and, like, I won't blame you for that. Um, maybe if you're Alfred Payton, I'll blame you a little bit. Just get rid of the ball. But um, for the 99% of players, I'm fine with that. Um, defense, like he was getting his hands on everything. Him and RJ together, there was one possession where RJ pressed, The they broke the press, then RJ came back, got the ball, and Cam was had his fingerprints all over the play by getting in passing lanes, by making things, like, that to me looked like they were back at Duke, just bullying you know, like some team from like some podunk conference that's that got paid to play Duke. <laughs> that's that, yeah, and that was a Philadelphia 76 that they did that against. And I mean, he's passing, he moved the ball, he rarely held the ball unless you know, unless besides that possession. Um, and he had he had a couple of nice passes, but he had one that was an eye opener to Obi where he drove. And it, it and it's also like this is my other thing, it's like 
this is going to get off the cam thing, but the, the TLDR on cam is like, yes, I'm very encouraged, and he absolutely needs to be getting 25 minutes at this point, given his talent level and given what we need to see. And certainly he shouldn't be getting 16 minutes in a game where he outplays Burks and Burks gets 34. But it's like, it's been a pattern that you you have in the, between the middle of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter, even when the starters come in, you have all of this ball movement, and then it dies. And I thought quickly played well, but once quickly got hot, and I'm really interested in your opinion on this, but then then Tibbs was like, all right, quickly's the guy, feed him the ball. And like that's also not what you want quickly to do. And if if I had to do that with anyone on the roster, it'd be it'd be RJ right now. But he he goes to like someone once there's once the clock hits eight minutes in the fourth quarter, someone has to be the guy. It's like if you were working corporate America, it's like I need someone to quote unquote own this, right? You need to own this because that's the fourth quarter. And these guys are all like good players, but you don't have a, a guy who like should be that guy. And I don't think you need one. Like, look, you know, if, if, if it turns out the team locks in and all your ball movement doesn't work, fine. But they're not even trying that. And all of these guys, like that reddish assist to Obi, what really that demonstrated is like, Reddish isn't James Harden. He's he's not a guy that's gonna go out of pick and roll and make crazy reads. But he's good in a, in a motion oriented offense. He can see those things. He's he's a solid passer in that context. Obi is not a guy that is going to be able to be open no matter what. But he he's a good cutter. RJ is a good cutter. Quickly, he's good at moving off the ball. Like you use these guys together, and like why go away from that in the fourth? You know? Yeah, I. I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I you want I, to? <laughs> no, I I didn't. I, I I would say I was less impressed with Cam today, which isn't to say that I thought he was bad. I actually thought he was pretty good, and I thought he was promising. Um, I also understand, like, I get why coaches probably are infuriated by him. But also, why front office guys are probably? I, I saw a little of that today, by the way. The things that yeah, I I, I agree. That's that's what was the most. He missed. He was over three from three. He missed a bunch of easy corner threes. Like quickly, if, if Reddish was shooting the way he normally does, quickly has five or six assists tonight. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't to say that like he played bad. Like, everything that he did well that impressed me was not the wow plays. It was the fact that like how much he just seems to be trying to fit into the team, which. Also, if you believe in the attitude problems that are rumored from Atlanta, that's something that I, I had trouble finding any evidence for that today. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any issue with that. Um, I just thought there were like instances of him, and I don't know if this is focus or whatever. I thought defensively a few times he got caught, but like it wasn't, it wasn't one of the game. Like I've had really big issues with him in previous games where like he's just way far behind his man. And he's like always playing catch up. I didn't see that today, but I did see stuff where I just thought he wasn't necessarily tuned in to what he needed to execute defensively um, in terms of the team scheme. And um, there were a few times offensively, I thought that he just didn't, he wasn't being selfish. And I don't, uh, it was like he maybe could have made a quicker decision, whatever. It wasn't anything bad. So I'm just, I, more than anything, I just, I'm less effusive of his performance today but um yeah i agree like i'm impressed with his overall what we've seen of him because 
is he a high assist guy? I don't know. I don't think so. But like, I am less concerned now about his assist totals because it looks like he's a pretty willing ball. Like he's willing to share the ball, um, which I was worried about before he got here, just based, you know, kind of on the. And he's shown the ability to make some advanced reads too. Yeah, yeah, he has, and and then I also think that he has demonstrated that. Um, I mean, the one thing that really stands out about him, and I, I can't get over this, is the Knicks have interesting athletes and young players, right? Like RJ, OB, quickly, whatever. Grimes. Not all the yeah, Grimes. Not all of them are super athletic, or they have different skill oh, yeah. sets. Yeah, sorry. yeah. They, they they all have different skill sets, but you like disrespected the windmill behind the back. By the way, he has no blame for whatever problems he was with those. But sorry, yeah, I don't either. Uh, but but the thing that really stands out for me with Cam is he's the most fluid athlete on the team, and Absolutely. he makes. He can get into. And he credit. gives you what Obi gives you, but he also has that his hips are way better. You know? like, yeah, he can. Well he gets into crevices that I don't think anybody else in the team can get into when he puts uh, the ball on the floor. Like he, he had a drive today. Hard. I think it was his. It was probably his second field goal where he drove in from the right corner, came middle, and then almost did like a jump step back towards the hoop uh, for a layup that was super impressive. And as good as RJ has been lately, like he cannot move like but that. That's why they're the perfect complement, right? RJ is the power bruiser. It. I, this is probably not a great analogy, but it's like a running game. And we both watched Michigan this year, who kind of went like that until Corum got hurt. Where you have a power running game that just like bruises the linebackers, forces them to like tackle a two hundred twenty pound dude. And then you mix it up, and then now they have to like move their hips, and they have to, they have like that's what RJ and Cam give you. Like Cam can slither through those cracks and force you to be like have that quick titch, twitch. But then when you like are ready for that, and then some, and RJ comes like full speed like a freight train. Hmm. Like that's the nice. It's they're like a thunder and lightning combo, you know? Yeah, yeah. It it was it's really good, and like. I mean, this is I, I I hate going back to this because I again I don't hate Alec Brooks, but like that's why it was really annoying to see Cam pulled from the game today because I thought, I mean, quite frankly, at the very least, like Fournier should have been in there, right? We can agree. Yeah, on that. yeah if if you wanted to play Fournier over Brooks or over Fournier Rennes, had a good game and yeah. he's been playing well, by the way, for a while. Like, yeah, he's not a. I think that of all the criticism they got for their offseason moves, like I I don't hate the Fournier move. Yeah, I don't hate that. And, like, I don't... I, I wouldn't have had a problem if he brought Fournier in for Reddish or for uh, whatever. But, like, what he did is he brought Burks in. Or he brought Burks in for Reddish. And I just... I didn't understand that because I thought Cam pretty readily outplayed him throughout the game. On both ends. Yeah, on both ends. And, like, I, I just don't... I didn't really understand it. Um, I also thought his length and general athleticism matched up better against Philly than whatever Burks was able to give us today, which was effectively nothing. Um, so Burks, I mean, against Maxi, quickly was like, I, I, by the way, side note, that's, if that turns out to be an NBA rivalry for like the next 10 or 15 years, which I, I will admit Maxi's a better player than quickly, but that was fun, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, it was fun. And it was fun because early in the year where you like, 
Well, it was it was fun because it was fun. It was play, and then Maxi got him late with the the three pointer, which was heartbreaking. But also, like you know, it's fun to watch them go, and you can see how much both of them are excited by it because they like going at each other. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun because quickly played well, and because you know, in the second half at least, Tibbs decided to actually let him play through mistakes and through whatever. Um, I mean, side, side note also, like, did you, I mean, you probably remembered he had a travel, it was not a good travel, but there were a few things like he caught the ball, he did a pump fake, and then he did the thing that gets called sometimes. I don't think that's called as consistently as it should, but NBA refs are generally good about this. He did shuffle his feet. And before we talk a little bit more about our frustrations with the Knicks, I have to make an announcement. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA's Too Good to Pass Up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Now new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Connecticut. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. It was so fucking stupid. I, I It was so dumb. And then the... the and then he's the, like, Alec. And it's like, bro, Alec does that a lot too. Like, not to travel. Move the fucking ball. Alec is a bigger... Like, uh, he is more of a culprit of not moving the ball than quickly is. He is more of... He's more guilty of holding onto the ball and not making quick decisions with it than quickly is. It was such a terrible coaching decision, and it was such a terrible like like I'm just happy that quickly came back in in the second half and played well because that was a decision to me that I was like, if quickly comes back in and is just like super tentative and goes into a shell, that wouldn't surprise me at all, and I wouldn't blame him because I have no fucking clue how you're supposed to react to that as a player. Like, I don't think he did anything particularly wrong. Like, to your point, to your point, I, I, I have to go back, I have to go back and actually watch the play. But to, to my, from what I remember, the only pass he had available to him was to somebody in the corner who was not open, who was not like wide open for a three or something. It was not, a clear okay. It was like exactly, exactly, yeah. and, and so that it wasn't like a swing the ball thing where like it's in the flow of the play. It's like like you're mad he traveled, which yeah, like that happens, and he needs to work on that. But like he by pump faking and doing what he was trying to do, he generated an open shot for himself, which he hit. <laughs> you know, 
and he's shooting well uh, today. And um, and that in like in like Alec Burks has made way worse plays than that. Yeah, and and I gotta say, like, I just want to you know, like, like, let's change pace here. Um, I want to get into the end game stuff a little bit because. Again, I don't think the Knicks lost today because of Tibbs. I don't think that they have lost all their games because of Tibbs. That's not my criticism of Tibbs. My criticism of Tibbs is there's a lack of ingenuity and creativity both from a tactical, strategic perspective and from testing out new lineups and rotations. Okay, This was mind-boggling. Okay, At the, In the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter, what did the Knicks do down the stretch to attack Philly's defense. What did they do? What were their play calls? What were they designed to do? Do you know what they did? They were calling pick and rolls with the five-man, which was Julius, by the way. Um, shout out Tibbs for finally going small for the first time in his fucking life. Because which was not a choice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was not his choice. Um, he was calling one-five pick and rolls and then having, or two-five, whatever, it doesn't matter, a perimeter guy and Randall pick and roll, and then he would get the switch and then he would have the perimeter guy attack of attack Joel Embiid in ISOs. Like, that was literally... You go back and watch it. Go back and watch the end of the fourth quarter, especially from when Burks came back in. And it is all shit like that. Quickly got his shit stuff. Fournier had a couple of embarrassing turnovers, whatever. Like, this is, like... If this is the sum total of his creativity as a coach... I mean, I don't know what to say to that. Like, but so let me let me push back on this for a point I've made because you and me argued last season about this, and we argued with Benji and Benji. Um, you know, was that's kind of what fourth quarter offense devolves to, right? But the point I've made is that this team doesn't have a closer, not even Randall. Um, if they were going to do that, by the way, if they were going to do that, I think they did that because quickly had, quote-unquote, the hot hand. And to his credit, this was one of the best games he's had in terms of rim pressure, even against Embiid. I thought he had a couple of really nice finishes. But if I was going to do that, I would have done that with RJ Barrett instead of quickly. But but that, that's the point, right? You don't have, you have an island of misfit, not even misfit toys, but like you have, an, you have people that just need to have ball movement to like get going and that includes randall by the way who i think i've made the case that he needs the ball the game to be slowed down and i think over the last month or so he's demonstrated that no like he's actually better in more of more motion more things going on off ball and on ball and like more things for the defense to keep track of that's what frustrates me i mean do you think you've changed your view on that or you know, I I'm I was more sympathetic to it last year because I thought Randall was better last year, <laughs> flat out. Like Randall, if you if you have a guy that's able to score efficiently or relatively efficiently out of mid post isos, elbow touches, all that stuff, okay, that's fine. You want to simplify your offense, grind it down to effectively like a half court game and your turn, my turn type of thing. Okay, that's fine with me. I, I'm never going to get that mad about it because I do agree with the un, the overall point of like, you know, that fourth quarter offense does devolve into shit like that. But we like, Randall is not that guy. Like, my issue is Randall is not what he was last year. 
And, and RJ Bush, isn't that guy 100% either. And, 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 but, but, he's definitely not that guy right now, even though he does a good... But it's not, it's not even about that, though. Like, these guys don't even get those... Like, quickly did, never gets that opportunity other than today because he was cooking. Like, normally, even if RJ is cooking, go back and watch the Miami game, the end of the Miami game. And then you go and watch how many times the possessions were something with Randall, ISO, or, or Burks and him running a pick and roll and an ISO. Like, it is ne- these guys never get that opportunity to learn on the job, or not nearly enough. And, I mean, for me, like, to me, like, I understand it when it's working and, you know, it's a results oriented kind of approach. So, when it's working, I have no problem with it because what is Tibbs trying to do? He's trying to win the game, right? That's what he always says. He doesn't care about anything. He cares about winning the game. Um, but when you're not winning those games, okay, then you have to try something different or you should try something different. And if you don't try anything different or you can't try anything different, then that says something to me about you as a coach. Because what that tells me is you got no pivots. You have no ability to change kind of your, 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 you have no ability to change your strategy. You just are so stuck in what you want to do and what you think should happen and, and what you thought would happen. And that's like really his ultimate sin this year is his inability to adapt and, and try new things and experiment and, and, and see if something new can yield the results he wants. It's never any of that. It's just, let me keep trying the same thing. Let me keep trying the same thing. Let me keep trying the same thing. And, you know, even like with Fournier today, I thought it was weird because he played him the entire third quarter, which is fine. But like when he does that, he won't bring him in until there's six minutes left in the fourth, which is all, again kind of fine. But like I just think there's better ways to keep guys involved in the flow of the game and stagger minutes better. And he refuses to do that. Quickly played the final 16 minutes of the game today, I think. Like no wonder he ran out of gas at the end. You know, like. It's it's just really stupid to me. Yeah. It's just really stupid to me, like, to watch this stuff because I, I don't understand the argument for it. Like what why do you want to only do things this way? And and why do you think that's just the best way to do it? I, I don't know. Like I just Well especially I watched, if he if he had Chris Paul. Like that's that's the argument that a lot of fans if we give him Chris Paul or DeMar DeRozan, this would all work. But it's like when you don't have that what you do have is guys that like when like you have guys that can create 25% advantages, right? And then you have other guys who can take a 25% advantage and make that a 50% advantage or a 40% advantage. And then you have someone else and those compound, right? That's how, that's how they got back in this game. That's how they took the lead. Uh, that's why quickly, that is how quickly thrives. That's why, all of this stuff is is quickly a point guard, is quickly not a point guard. Seems very irrelevant to me because um, when he plays with R.J. Barrett, you never ask that about R.J. Barrett, but the same questions applies. Is R.J. Barrett a point guard? Is R.J. Barrett not a point guard? It's like, well, he can work with the ball well in his hands. He cannot, but he's best when there's somebody else who can also work with the ball in their hands and they play off each other. And... Um, and that's in it. It's so many times that we've seen them have a good middle third quarter, or like last few minutes of third quarter stretch to the middle of the fourth quarter, and then at the and then it's like, okay, now we have to slow it. And like you could see, that's what they did. They they like there was a point where they were just like, quickly is the hot hand. He's going to hold the ball. And at that point, I was like, as much as I was happy that quickly was having a great game, I was like, I hated it. I hated it. It's like that's not 
that's not why he's he's succeeding because he's playing with RJ. He's and RJ and and if I have to choose between those two being kind of the 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 main initiator, I would still choose RJ, but that's not a knock on quickly. It's just like it brings out the best in both of them. There's a reason why RJ also benefits from playing with quickly in a way that he doesn't with Burks even. Right? Even though Burks has in some ways a similar skill set to quickly and it's just, we go away from that, and it's like, you can argue that, oh, well, the defense is locked in, we need to slow the ball down, we don't want turnover, but it's like, it's not working. Well, I, and, and like, this is the thing, right? People will be like, well, Burks missed an open corner three, Randall missed an open corner three, Randall missed a layup, whatever. And Those I thought things- the playmaking was yeah. pretty good. Like, th- this was, I'll, I'll say this again, he had multiple finishes through contact, which is, for quickly, is like a big deal in one game yeah. to have three, four finishes like that. Uh, I really liked how actually Embiid tossed his shit one time and quickly went right back. And that's, I mean, he needs he needs to be willing to take his lumps. Like, you need to, before anything else, you have to at least be able to overcome that fear. Uh, you don't call it fear, you want to call it whatever. Like, you need to be able to realize that I still need to do this, right? And that the, he had the pass to Randall, he had the pass to Burks. Um, but there's just, there's ways to make that easier for everyone. And and we're just not doing that. Yeah, it, it's so like I mean, what I was gonna say is that um, you know, so like yeah, quickly created these open corner threes. Brandon blew a layup. You know, we can go through all this stuff. And and, and yes, these guys, you know, they gotta make shots. But like, just because those shots were created does not mean that the process involved was particularly good. And you know, I think one of the quickly the the Burks one. That he created an open corner three for Burks on that was on off of like an offensive rebound I want to say where he got the rebound and then like dribbled baseline on Embiid and then swung it to Burks and then one of the other ones was like the the Randall one was basically with a second left he created that like, he created that out of a broken play and and whatever you know Randall missed a shot but like it's still not good process and it's all very it's all driven individually. Like, there's nothing that's done collectively, particularly late in the games with this team. Like, it's all very much like an individual has to create a advantage for themselves or for somebody else, and that that's what I, And then you kind of can go from there. But there's just, like, no layering offensively. There's no, you know, to your point about, like, how Cam... Um, you know, and building advantages, and then also like how Cam was playing. You know, he benefited from playing more in flow and all this kind of stuff. Like, we just don't like the only group that ever plays in flow is usually the group with more young guys. Like the vets are not flow. Like Burks for I would the- I would cite Fournier as an exception, but I think generally you're you're correct. Yeah, but yeah. And even with Fournier, like I don't know, he has some weird ass shit going on at the time. Where, That's like, true. Yeah, his processing is interesting. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It's very mercurial. Yeah. (laughs) He's a very interesting player. Um, But, like, it's just, to me, it just screams of a team that needs a new coach and needs a new voice and needs a new strategy. And that's not to say that, like, and I know this is going to be hard to believe based on how much I've shit on Tibbs on this pod and many pods, but, like, I don't think Tibbs is a bad coach fundamentally. I just think he's capped at where he can take you. And I think this team outgrew him much faster than they expected. And 
you're now at a point where like the Knicks have this like very interesting group of young talent, in my opinion. Like, do they have an A one superstar? Probably not. Uh, you know, I know there are there are definitely people that will say RJ is that caliber. For me, an A one superstar is basically like an MVP caliber player. And as good as I think RJ is going to be, I don't think he's going to be that, which is fine. I think he's going to be a multiple time All Star, maybe a multiple time All NBA guy, whatever. It doesn't matter. I think he's going to be a really, really fucking good player. Um, but like they don't necessarily, they don't have a Luca level, right? They don't have that type of dude, which is okay. That's that's okay. But you do have guys that seem to play well together and 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 play a brand of basketball that is fundamentally like when you see how that group plays at their best. And then you compare it to like the hallmarks of Tibbs teams, right? What what are the hallmarks of Tibbs teams? They're not aligned. And does that did the front office let him down? Is it a bad fit of coach with the talent? I don't know. Whatever you, we can debate this for whatever. But at, at, at its very at its very core, my my thing is like I watch how he deploys a lot of this talent. A lot of these young guys, especially. And it just looks like a coach who does not have the ability to adapt and evolve with the talent that he's handed and is more focused on fitting the talent and players that he's that he's given into what he wants to do versus what he should do to maximize their talent. And I think that's like very much the fundamental issue with this team and with Tibbs this year and whatever. I mean, I just are we like I a hundred percent believe this team should be fighting for the eighth seed or the sixth seed or whatever the fuck. Like we're twenty five and thirty six. You can go look through our game log. There's so many games you could point to and be like, well that was terrible. We probably could have won that game. That was terrible. We probably could have won that game. That was terrible. We probably could have won that it game. Sounds like the beginning of every Mac repost game. <laughs> Yeah, it's just I, I and like at some point, like if you're the coach and you you're never winning those margins and you're never evolving and you're never adapting. I mean, look, I'll say this, okay? Evan Fournier is not a great defender. He's not even a good defender. At best, he's an average defender, and that's being generous, okay? He's he's a he's a below average defender, pretty pretty certainly. Individually, a below average defender, but but you as a coach need to mitigate that and you need to adapt and instead of adapting and trying to mitigate his weaknesses he has used him in defensive roles that just make no sense you mean you watch the stuff with him and Kemba okay when they were playing together obviously Kemba's out now um, for the rest of the year which thank god um but like he would have he he has them running the same scheme that he had us running last year with Bullock and Elf starting which makes no sense because they're physically worse athletes than those guys. Like, you can't have Kemba and Fournier tag so deep down into the paint to try and deter the roll man or whatever, and then also have to have them recover out to corner shooters. That's, like, such an insane ask of them, not necessarily even because of an effort thing, but because they're physically not able to. Like, Fournier, his change of direction speed is like, you know, the fucking Titanic moves faster, Right. Like, that guy is just hitting icebergs all the fucking time because he can't fucking move. But, like... But his heart will go on. Yeah, his heart will go on. But it's just, like, stuff like that really bothers me because I don't think that Fournier is a good defender. I'm not under that impression. I'm not going to blame Tibbs for him not being a good defender. 
But I do think that how he's also good at being in the right spot. He's a better team defender than you. Like you shouldn't be switching him on to Tyrese Maxey or James Harden. It's just, it's just, it's just like why, why are you putting him in positions where he's obviously going to fail? I don't know. I I don't know that at all, and it's just very, very frustrating. Uh, Yeah, I think that um, it's yeah, it's, and I I don't know how much of this gets into. Some of the stuff that Ian Beckley has reported, I think there's some theories out there that some of the things that Tibbs does are just to spite the front office. This is the team you have. You're charged with coaching the team you have. And um, if you want to switch one to three, which I don't think is a bad idea, um, you know, you do that. And you, you, but you put, if you're going to switch one to three, then make sure that you don't have two bad defenders at one and three, right? Um, I think that's probably why he started Burks, but Burks has been awful on defense for since he got moved. Burks is shot, man. Like he killed this guy. Like he has no juice. Like, he has, like, but he, like if you look at the beginning of the year, he was awesome. Like, those those Alec Burks got us tweets from shout out state NYK pod did seem like cold takes because Burks had a lot of really good games on both ends, and that's gone now. Uh, he t- Burks took six shots in 34. Like, you can argue about everything else from Burks. No assists. But he took six shots in 34 minutes. If you're going to play Alec Burks 34 minutes, and he's taking six shots, that's just bad. Um, unless he's unless he's creating a ton of opportunities. And if he's not doing that, what what is that giving you? you know? And it, it's, you know, you, I mean, I think that the... the like the the stat that's been used is that with that specific lineup, they have a plus six net rating. Uh, it's a small sample, and with nearly every lineup, especially including at least a few of those guys, quickly has looked a lot better. Um, and and like this is not to say that quickly. Like it, I'll, I'll I'll put it like this: quickly is not. If quickly shoots the way he has been this year, he is a fringe rotation player. I will I will say that. I think he's been a positive on this team, but he's closer to an eighth or ninth guy than certainly the ceiling that we all have imagined for him. I don't believe he is a 31% spot-up shooter, which is why I'm not giving up on him as a result of that. Anybody giving up on quickly, by the way, is a fucking moron, and I have no time for them. Like, uh, there are people that seem to like relish... Oh, I told you he's not a point. The guy had a bad game against uh, Miami. I told you he's not a point guard. Yeah, he missed five Shut wide up. open and shoot threes, and he's not a point. No, guard. It doesn't even fucking matter. Like, like the entire argument about him is so fucking stupid and warped. Like, oh well, that's why he doesn't play point. Like, that's why I've said he's not a point guard. Well, okay, but like, we're playing fucking Alec Burks thirty minutes a night at point. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I, I I'm sorry. I think that quickly, if you wanted to just say. I don't. I, I've actually said on this pod. I don't think that his best role, his ideal role, long term, is an on-ball primary initiator type. So, like, I don't fundamentally disagree with that. What I disagree with is exactly what you what you've been talking about. Is like, well, if he plays with RJ, is he really the point guard and all that kind of stuff? And also, like, who gives a fuck, man? We're playing Alec Burks at point guard. Are you really trying to tell me quickly can't do that same shit that Burks does? Like. That's very tough for me to believe. And on top of that, I will say this. There are countless examples of players who did not end up being point guards long-term at all. They, they, they did not end up being primary ball handlers, but 
because they were given a long leash in primary ball handler reps earlier in their careers. They benefited from it long term. Two that come to mind who I've mentioned before are Brandon Ingram and Zach Levine. Um, do I think quickly is going to become that caliber of player? No, that's not really my point. And obviously he's not the same dimensions as those guys. But that there's like a benefit to just simply giving him primary on-ball reps because it develops pieces of his game that he's not going to get otherwise. Even if ultimately his ideal role and what you use him as is not a primary ball handler. There's value to that. There's no value yet out of giving Alec Burks primary ball handler reps because he's not good right now. And he's obviously not a long-term solution to anything. And he's so, not helping anyone else try either. Right. It's, so it's just, it's just a really, and like, this is like, I, I had, uh, I don't want to, I forgot who it was. I, I want to say his at is had says, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, he was like, well, why? Cause I tweeted that like, it's really hard to believe, like really uh, difficult to understand why we won't give Deuce McBride minutes today when we're getting shredded at the point of attack and on transition defense. And he was like, are you so sure? Why are you so sure that like Deuce won't just get shredded himself? And like one, we've seen Deuce play NBA minutes and not get shredded at the point of attack at all. So that Against would be, cards, yeah. yeah, like that would be one reason. The second being is like, why, why must we act like if, if he comes in and struggles that it's the end of his career. Like, if you're not going to try now, then when will you ever try? I, I don't understand. Like, what is the reason for this fear and this idea of, like, oh, Tibbs is, like, he's not playing him because he understands what he needs perfectly. Like, what is the evidence for this stuff? Because to me, I watch Tibbs coach this year, and I'm like, this motherfucker is just coaching for wins, and he's doing a really shitty job of it. I don't see him trying to protect anybody. I don't see him giving a fuck about development long term. I mean, he's basically said development is bullshit, right? Like he effectively said that as much um, in a press conference. Referring to sorry, he said something like, uh, "You know, it's not just you can't just give guys minutes for development. Like you got to try to win." It was I forget the exact quote, but like basically, he just said that you know I'm not just going to give out minutes for development's sake, and that's fine. But, like, at that point, then, I have to judge you on wins and losses. You're not winning and losing. Anyway, I don't want to go back down the, the Tibbs uh, rabbit hole. My point being is just, like, there are benefits to giving guys primarily ball handler reps, even if, ultimately, that's not the role they're going to play long term. Like, we can maybe even see that with RJ right now, right? Like, I don't think RJ is best used as being James Harden. But, like, what the fuck else are we going to do right now? You know, because Randall is not processing the game very well in this moment. Um, and, you know, if you don't think Quickly is a good point guard, if you don't think Burks is a good point guard, if you don't, like, we don't have a good point guard, so why the fuck not? You know, I don't see why that would hurt. And, and that just applies for a lot of, like, that applies to Quickly, too, because I just don't see how it hurts to give him on-ball reps. I don't see how it hurts Deuce to give him some on-ball reps and give him real play. Any rep shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I just don't see. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think what, what I was getting at too is like the interesting thing is what quickly brings to the t- like. The question is, you can either say that net, the on-off stuff quickly is bullshit. It's all a product of playing against the bench, or you can say, I mean, if the guy is shooting, like he's shooting like you or I would, you know, going in a game, why is he still? 
part of so many positive lineups. Um, and uh, you look at the, the skills he brings, he does bring good defense. He's fouling, he, he has a little bit of Frank Milikina-itis where he's still trying to find the balance. I, his defense isn't the focus of his game, so people won't talk about it as much as they did with Frank, but he plays, he reminds me a lot on defense of Frank. Obviously, Frank was bigger, but the same thing, over long arms making up for not elite size. Uh, if you look at their standing reach, they're probably not that far apart. Um, but um, he, he quickly's fouls are up this year, um, and you saw you saw that today. You see that a lot, right? Especially with veteran guards. But um, but he brings that point of attack energy. He pushes the ball. Um, he had one possession today that it, like no other guard is turning that into a fast break. But there was a, a rebound. He got the I, I don't know if he got the rebound or if he immediately got the ball afterwards. He went zero to sixty real quick. Uh, shout out Drake, and he uh, real quick, real fucking quick. And he he, but he went into the paint. Even though he's not a paint finisher threat, like a lot of times when you see him going <laughs> hardcore in the fast break, you're like, yeah, but like, how are you finishing over this dude? A, he's actually really good at drawing fouls in fast breaks, but he did enough to draw the defender, and he gave RJ the ball, and RJ dunked it. And that's like that sounds simple and it's like, should we give him credit for RJ just being great in transition? I'm like, yes, on this team, you absolutely should because that's all he has to do to be like a massive positive relative to what we all said. But it's the similarities between him and Deuce that there are different players. Deuce is much stronger. Deuce one day, I think will be very good at attacking the rim. He's shown flashes of it. Like Deuce can yam on guys, by the way, uh, quickly doesn't, he never will, but Deuce can yam yammed on Jared Allen last year. Yeah. Uh, that's true. <laughs> if it was on a pistol set, Deuce can yam on guys from the middle of the paint. That's my point. Um, and in traffic. Um, God, the Deuce, Lakers fucking suck. Yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Deuce, just watching funny, this game right now. It's funny how many similarities there are to the Lakers. Remember, you tweeted earlier today about how like there can't possibly be any teams worse than... Are they a worse free throw shooting team than us? They're dead last. <laughs> and like every time, because like my best friend from my best one of my best friends is a Lakers fan, and like there's so many similarities. No real point guard, an oversized big who has to create everything for them. I would prefer it to be LeBron James than Julius Randle, but it's a similarity there. Um, inconsistent play at the, at the center position. Um, but my point is like, do the similarities Deuce has with quickly. They both like to push. They both like to when they get transition opportunities, they'll move the ball quick. Now I know there's a lot of arguments about how Deuce holds or sorry, uh, quickly holds the ball too, too much, but when he has an opportunity to push the push the ball, he does push, push, um, and um, both good pull up shooters. Luke McBride has a little bit of a, a more of a mid range game because of a higher release. But if you look at the things that quickly does, and if you if you surmise that even though he's not the best at it, even if that's what you want to go with, um, like that's the kind of guy who probably fits well as a as a point guard or as as a nominal point guard in these lineups. And it's just it's baffling. Now we're he went nine. He would rather go nine dudes in a rotation than play McBride. I'd rather play Barks thirty two minutes. Um, that's concerning. Um, that's, I, I think it's a fireable offense. I honestly, like, I don't see how you can watch. And I watch, I watch games like today and I just think like he's hurting your team in so many ways. I mean, the perception of quickly this season 
is so insane to me. The perception of Obi is insane to me. More Obi, actually, than Quickly, because at least with Quickly, I can, like, legitimately understand why fans are like, this guy is shooting like an asshole. Like, fuck him. I, 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 I disagree. A lot worse, but yeah. You know, I, I mean, but yeah, like, Obi shot a lot worse, but, like, Obi has probably he's been a bit... Yeah, and he, he's probably been more consistent than, than Quickly has this year. So, like, and I, I just don't understand how, like, you can watch this team and feel like that it's justified that those guys, and not just those two, but like Cam today is a perfect example. Sims, Jericho Sims. Yeah, Sims. Like I don't think I don't see how you can watch this team. MVP candidates that should fucking like both these guys, Jokic and Embiid, should stuff a rookie in the trash can, and they didn't do that to him. Uh, he didn't win the matchup, but and and you can compare that to how Nolan's Noel and as much as I love Taj Gibson, him, and especially when when they're going through injuries, like. There's no at this point every young guy that comes in and finally gets a chance looks way better than we expect. Like we're made to think that they just they barely well, go. Well, the other the other fun thing today was like he had to play Randall and Obi together. And guess what? Those minutes were pretty good. Those minutes were fine. They were fine. They didn't die. They didn't get fucking slaughtered defensively anymore. They got slaughtered before. Like reddish at the four, like the only reason I don't push more for Reddish at the four is because it would come at like, the expense of Obi at the four, and it's like maybe get tips to crawl before he can walk. But like Reddish at the four is absolutely something that should also be on the table. Or Reddish Reddish next to Cam, right? Because Cam, Reddish, uh, sorry, Reddish next to RJ because RJ is a, RJ is a better defender. But at that point, they're interchangeable at three and four, right? But you have you have a small ball lineup with those two guys out there. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's it was just funny to see that today and like watch him that watch them not get slaughtered, um, even though there are people like half court hoops who think uh, and that guy is Duncan who who apparently think that um, you know Obi was getting hunted and the Knicks absolutely had to take him out. He did get hunted and he held up reasonably well. It was probably I don't I actually don't even think he was getting hunted. I think that's just. You have to switch Harden hunts him. everyone. That's yeah, yeah, and 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 you have to and switch Harden Harden. everyone because he's right. fucking James Harden. But right. uh, and, yeah. and a lot of guys like he he got switched. Like, there were a lot of guys that he got switched onto. I just think it was like it happened at it happened to occur, and Ob got put in that position. And guess what? Like I don't think Harden cooked him. Harden made some shots because James. That's what James Harden does. He also first a couple turnovers. Right. So it's just like I just don't. I just I, I really think he's. There's just so much perception stuff that is off with this team in terms of how the young guys are being perceived and upside. And, you know, before we finish up, you know, we do need to talk about RJ. Uh, yeah, I wanted to mention that because um, I, 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 want, I tweeted this out. Like, he's had hot stretches before, but this really feels different. Um, you know, there's a stretch. He's only scored he, since January 8th, and there was a little bit of a gap between injuries, but it's like 15 games. And he's only scored less than 17 points once. Um, he just looks way more comfortable. Like, I've, I've, like, not every pick and roll obviously ends in a basket for him, but every decision I get, there's very few tunnel vision plays, if any. I, I can't, there wasn't, I don't think there was a ton of vision play today. There were a couple where I've been like, eh, you took a tough layup and you could have thrown the lob, but it's also like, yeah, but Mitch is unreliable right now. Um, Jericho's a rookie, like, and he's, he's experimenting more. He's experimenting high off the glass to like mix results, but 
even the ones he misses are like not bad misses. I think this feels different. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd be curious to your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I just think he's. I mean, look, Bam and Bam and Jimmy said it right. Like they were talking about, he's the face of the franchise, and he's so confident, and he's playing, you know, in a certain way, and all. Like, I buy that, man. I I do. Like, I I think that the way he's carrying himself this entire, like, even like the stuff in press conferences. You know, he said something about, uh, you know, his free throw shooting was garbage, and he took two hundred free throws. I know some of that stuff is obviously just lip service, or you know, it's good good soundbite, but like, and obviously, look, he, he went 6 of 10 for the free throw line today, so it's not like everything was magically healed as soon as he practiced free throws harder. But like, I just think the way he's carried himself, especially when you compare it to the stuff we've seen from Randall throughout the season, which like, again, today was very disappointing in a lot of ways, uh, particularly on defense. Um, You know what the worst play was, right? It was... um. He took a corner three. He went for a steal, and then he jo- like it's when he jogs back, he sees the person he's guarding going fast. Let alone whether that's Mason Plumley or the presumed MVP, and he just keeps jogging. Right? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Right? Yeah, it's it's very. That was. I mean, you know what play I'm talking about, right? It's late in the fourth. Yeah. And it was for the corner three he missed. And I've tried not to be the guy who just hates on Randall because, like, you've had a lot of people make a lot of good points about how he's miscast as a number one option, but that's just that was a back breaking. Yeah, that, and that's that's, he, and he that's missed, not a he the three. I, that's fine, but you cannot you can't jog back and watch Joel Embiid walk into a dunk. You can't. And that's and that's not about that's that has nothing to do with um being you being missed. a number one option. That's yeah. just hustle. That's just about caring and, and giving a shit. And, um, you know, I, I suspect that he's injured. Um, and he's probably been playing through some stuff this year. But, like, I don't really... Like, you're on the court, though. So I can understand shooting poorly and finishing poorly and all this kind of... But the effort stuff is, is not good. And And to go back to RJ, like, RJ's had some other his issues of his own, but, like, I think he demonstrated significant more leadership in terms of owning his mistakes, never shirking his responsibilities. Um, And I just find like, you know, to your point, like this does feel different and it does feel different for specific reasons. Like again, like today I can't stress this enough. The guy had a 24 point game, went nine and 22 from the field, didn't make a three. He's, he was incapable of having a game like that. His first two years in the NBA. Right. Fucking end, man. Yeah, he would have fifty if he even shot decently from three. Yeah, so I, I just, I just think this is very different. And I, and here's the other thing too: is forget the the shooting and score. He had six assists and five rebounds today. Like he had an all around impact, even even though he didn't score particularly well. And he was the focus of the Sixers' defense in a lot of ways. So like, and he's that's, this was not against um, Enos Cantor, or sorry. Enus um, penis cancer. Enus um, Enus uh, freedom. Yeah, uh, this was against Joel Embiid, uh, who played a very good game. I mean, he put up forty six against the Heat, who are what, top the five defense guy. Yeah, like, um, and and also it was so smart how he did against the Heat. Benji did a great threat on this, but he kept he. You want to talk about hunting? 
he repeatedly hunted Hero and Robinson. And he also knew that when this was another thing Benji mentioned, when that when the Heat when Hero was in the pick and roll, the Heat would um the Heat would switch. And when it was Robinson, they would trap. And he nearly always made the right like he's never looked this comfortable. Like he as a young RJ, you'd be like, No, RJ, you gotta pass that, or no, RJ, don't put your head down, or no, RJ, don't he, by the way, another thing I haven't seen in the last two games, and less so even like this stretch predates before he got hurt. Um there's very few of these like like, oh, I got to the paint, but like there's a big guy there, I'm like gonna fall away and throw up. Yeah, yep, shit. yep. It's all strong or it's like calculated high off the glass finishes. And and that's why he's getting to the line so much. Like, you can just fucking hit the free throw, that'd be even better. But um, he's also like pump faking now, not just like, going up. Like I'm he's drawing about the free he's throw. He's trying to like get defenders Either? in the air and then going up with it. Like it's it's just it Hello? looks like a guy where the game is slowing down for him and he understands more of what he needs to do to maximize his output. The other thing too is like his handle, it, it it still needs to get better. His handle is so much better than it was his first two years, like significantly better by a lot. Like it, it's it's not it's it's noticeable actually how much better his handle is. I mean, you talked about the Miami game. There were times he actually crossed up Hero on one possession and crossed him up so bad that like he didn't realize that he had created that separation and kind of delayed driving because he was like, oh shit, I guess I am really open. Um, but I I do got to say I I. I I just have to say this because I think it's hilarious. I think it's exceptionally hilarious that RJ Barrett had a more acute understanding of what Miami's defensive strategy was, what they wanted to do and how to take advantage of it than anything we've seen from Randall or from Tibbs in terms of his coaching down to the players about shit like that. I thought it was exceptionally funny that RJ diagnosed their trapping and switching much better than anybody else in the roster and in the coaching staff, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, and, and it's also like those lack of soft finishes and all that is why he's getting to the line even more. And if he does that, like you're talking about guys like DeRozan who do live at the line. Um, I, 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 but I mean, I, it's, it's the most comfortable he's looked. And and yeah, he's shooting the ball well too. But um, this is this is where you start to talk about that's like I've always been the kind of person we've talked about this. I if RJ Barrett ends up being a similar level of impact player to Chris Middleton, that's not a disappointment to me. I think that is to you. But uh, and like partly because I think that if you look back at that draft pick, the Knicks needed to hit on a pick. Um, you know. If someone wants to be like, well, you should have taken Darius Garland. It's like, <laughs> it's like, well, Darius Garland had played five games at Vanderbilt. Not his fault. Not, not ripping him, but there was a lack of data, and the Knicks needed to take someone they would they could hit on. And and RJ Barrett has been that. And hitting on a pick for this team that has the Ward curse, you know, one or two All Star games or whatever, or even being something like Chris Milton is a um, is a positive outcome. But this this is. This just feels a lot different. Um, it like it's passing too. Like his assists haven't gone up, but like, like how many times did you watch today and you're like out of a pick and roll? You were like, nah, you should have done something else. No, like, no, there were there was basically not. I mean, he had that one like early in the game where he just he lobbed it to Mitch. I think that was like 
it yeah. was such a perfect pass. Like he drew Embiid out, and he the thing is he held his dribble in the paint. So under pressure, he has confidence in his handle now, where he can hold. He basically drew Embiid out because Embiid knew that if he just let him chill there, he was eventually going to take a floater. So Embiid had to come out a little bit at least to challenge him, and that opened up the pass to Mitch. And it's like you just see stuff like that, and it's like you it's it is the example of of a of the game slowing down for a guy. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, but so you think it's it's different. Um, I mean, do you think point RJ is something they should be going towards more? Like, how do they like? What? I don't really care what you want to call it, but like. Just keep giving him usage. I don't care. I think he's clearly the best shot creator slash... However you want to define shot creator, but, like, to me, shot creator goes beyond just creating your own offense, but also, like, creating for others and understanding and all of that. Than Randall. Yeah, way better. Because Randall... Randall just tries to do everything really fast. And, like, that's not particularly effective all the time. Or and super I, slow, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's like he doesn't have any in between speeds. It's just like super slow or super fast. Whereas like RJ is really starting to get into like, I think you're starting to see that that shift in gears um, that all the best offensive t- players really have. And and more than anything, I just think that like he's demonstrated a maturity and understanding. I mean, his reading of defensive schemes. Is just way better than anybody else in the roster, and I'm not trying to single out Randall because I, I just think that's like applicable to anybody. I mean, Rose is the only person I think I would maybe put, but yeah, he's yeah, Rose player. is about it. That's the only comparison. But like, other than that, I mean, he he's he's clearly the best. And you know, if the Knicks do nothing else this year but just find out how guys like quickly and Deuce and Cam and Obi just play these guys more together, man, like that. That bench unit was so fun to watch. Of like quickly, RJ, Cam, uh, Obi, and 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 Jericho. Like that was a fun fucking group, and it was fun the entire game. And they were they were good when they played together. And they they get out, they run, they're active defensively, they're athletic, they can switch out. They have someone who can set real screens. Yeah, they 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 cover for each other. It just feels like actually watching a real team and developing. Um, you know, when you play these young guys together. The benefits you get from that aren't just about wins and losses in the moment, um, but they're also about like developing like an ethos and a culture and and developing understanding and chemistry between these guys that can benefit you down the line. And you know the Knicks should not pass up that opportunity because it's the first time I think maybe since like they won a fucking championship that they actually have a young nucleus. Um, that's worth developing the other. I mean, they've had one in the '80s too, obviously with Mark Jackson, Ewing, and stuff. But they punted on that. They fucked that up. They can't fuck this up. Like RJ Barrett's 21 years old. What about Frank and Knox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, don't fuck this up, man. Like that that kid is so good, and he's he wants to be here, and he wants to be like the face of the organization. He wants to be the face of the franchise, you know. And and he carries himself the right way. He's a fucking pro. He he doesn't talk shit. He doesn't. He's not about dumb shit, you know. He doesn't waste his energy on bullshit. He's Twitter he's a, spaces. Yeah, he's he's just he's he's just carries himself exactly how you want your franchise player, especially in this fucking city, to carry themselves. And um, you know, the Knicks have wasted a lot of talent and and guys and stuff and picks and all this stuff. They can't waste this kid because he he's 
his mentality is special. And, and I think that is ultimately what makes him special because he's not the most gifted, he's not the most gifted physical player or the most gifted skillful player or anything. He's not some high flyer. He's not an elite athlete or anything. But what makes him, what really separates him to me is his mentality. And, and the Knicks, they, they can't waste that because what they have is something really, really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, is there anything that you would like to plug before we get out of here? Yeah. Um, as uh, as you all know, probably or hopefully, uh, I'm doing the Believe Knicks podcast with at Miranda. Uh, we have a very special guest uh, coming on tomorrow uh, who wrote a book about the 90s Knicks that includes a very interesting anecdote about the member of one Xavier McDaniel, um, among many other things. Um, but check that out. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's probably the coolest guest I've gotten to do a pod with. So uh, no offense, Schwinny. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, that's what I'll plug. Awesome. Uh, I look forward to hearing it. Chris is always a great interview. Always very generous at this time. Unlike you and Matt. who both <laughs> suck. Um, all right. That I have nothing to plug by the way. So I'm just going to plug this podcast. I'm going to plug all the great writing that we have on the website. Uh, I'll plug our Patreon. I will plug, Everything that we do other than draft Strickland because Prez sucks at everything he does. Um, but everything else on the site is really good. So, you know, check all that stuff out. But that is our pod for today. Hope everybody has a great week. And I will see you on Friday. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wallen. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.